I, I want to pick up on something Justin said at the opening that he was challenging the church with. He didn't know what God put in my heart. But as I was, was just in a few moments ago, I was just praying, I said, Lord, I want to impart. I want to impart every single time I'm with you. I want to speak not just to you, but into you. Okay? Mm -hmm. I want to... I want to deposit something into your spirit. Come on. And, and God wants to build us as a church. God wants to grow us. I don't want our attention to become just the numbers, but numbers are important. Don't you understand that? I mean, the numbers are important. Uh, if, if nobody's coming, hey, hello, there's a problem. Uh, but numbers are a byproduct of our objective. Right. Our objective is not to see how many people we can get. Our objective is to get God's presence into the house, yeah. to con connect with God, to experience God. That's and right. guess what? When you do that, numbers will follow. Yeah. It will happen. Uh, and then, you know, our objective can't just be money. Uh, but money is important. We got to have money to keep going. You got to have money to keep the lights on. But the fact of the matter is this: that money will will come with the people. Right. You see, when you get the presence of God, the people come. When the people come, the money comes with them. And God will always meet our needs. So our number one objective has got to be about the presence of God and experiencing the presence of God and experiencing the power of God. That that's our our number one objective. And I, I want to just uh, get you, if you've got a Bible, you can turn um, and look in the book of John, John chapter 4. Uh, you know, one of our three primary pillars of our church, uh, we would be a, worshiping com a worshipful community, a relational community, and a missional community. And I want to pick up on what Justin said about worship, um, because it is so, so very important that we understand what the scriptures teach. Now, you remember Jesus comes to a in the in John chapter four. He comes and encounters a woman at the uh, well in Samaria, and she was coming there every day to draw water. And so Jesus comes up. He drops to 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 get a a, a drink of water, and he he drops this heavy word on her. Um, and he asked her for a drink, and she said. You know, or he said, give me a drink in verse verse 7. Um, and his disciples gone away to buy food. Now, he was actually using this as an opening uh, salvo, if you would, into this woman's life. You give me a drink. And then an amazing and beautiful way to connect with somebody that needs God. Give me a drink. Right. And uh, so this, this woman uh, goes on to say, she says, uh, I'm a woman of Samaria. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So he'd gotten her attention right out of the gate. Right. And then Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was, says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him, yeah. and he would have given you living water. And she goes on down. Of course, she's asking him, how can you do that? You don't have anything to, to, to draw water with, and the well is deep. Uh, Jesus says... Whoever drinks of the water that I give will never, uh, or drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Uh, but the water that I shall give him shall will be like a fountain of water springing up unto everlasting life. Now, I want you to keep in mind who he's talking to. This is 
a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher talking to a Samaritan woman. I mean, this is way out of bounds already. The fact is that she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew, that's out of bounds. The fact that he was a man, he's talking to a woman, that's out of bounds. This was not even just a nice woman. She had some issues going on, all right? And uh, Jesus goes on to say, go call your husband to come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. Jesus said, uh, you are you well said you have no husband, for you've had five husbands. Well, a few issues here. Uh, one of whom, you, the one you have now, is not your husband. Otherwise, you're just living with the dude you got right now. And so you've got some challenges here. But yet Jesus isn't afraid to approach her. But notice what he begins to do. And, and it, it is so amazing when you, you look at this. Now, I want you to get some background here. Samaritans were kind of related to the Jews, okay? They were related, but some generations before, the Jews had intermarried, had mixed with the Samaritans, and the Samaritans had kind of gone their own route. So they were kind of like, we're like, okay, we're, we, we, we worship the same God, but we don't worship the same way. All right, we, we understand something about uh, worship. We understand uh, something about God, but our way is different than that way. We don't worship the same way. And Jesus goes on down through, and he starts nailing down the critical issue. Do you know something? Who you worship or what you worship is the critical issue in your life. All right? Who you worship and, and what you worship is really the critical issue uh, for far too many people. They, they, they really don't worship God. They worship self. That's right. You know, even there is a lot of emphasis within the church today about, well, you know, I, I, I want to enjoy this. Well, let me tell you something. If, if your worship is fundamentally about your enjoyment or your pleasure, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself. Yes. All right? Because the fact is this. It's not about us. Right. It's about Him. Yes. It's, not about, it's not for us. It's for Him. Right. It's not so that I come away. Now listen, I do get, you know, I am changed. I do experience the presence of God. But it is a result of my worship. All right? right. And so... He go, Jesus begins to nail down the issue. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when, because she asked him a question. You guys, you Jews worship on this mountain in, in Jerusalem. We worship here in another mountain. And at Mount Gerizim. And we, we, we will worship here and you worship there. You say that mountain's holy. We say this mountain's holy. And Jesus says, well, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, it's not about all this stuff that you're putting the emphasis on. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we... uh, We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But, so he is making a distinction here. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers... Now I want to stop here for a minute. Because whenever you say something is true, it is presupposing something else is false. In other words, there is such a thing as a true worshiper, and there is such a thing as a faux worshiper. All right? False worship. Now, nobody steps into false worship or faux worship 
intentionally. They're not like, well, you know, I think I'll be a faux worshiper. You know, I think I'm just, I'm not going to be the real deal. I'm just going to be the pretend deal. Nobody steps into that. They slide into that. All right? They slip into that position. I will tell you that's going on right now in the church in America. It's happening. It's all around us. We can see it. And and it, it, it... Jesus gets down, he said, but the, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. Now I want to just drill down on a couple of things because, and I, I love the flow of this this morning because really the, the whole flow of this is emphasizing some things that are critically, critically important. Yes. You pastors, you're building your churches. And how you build your church, what you lay into the very foundation of your church. A few weeks ago we talked about laying an apostolic and prophetic foundation in the, in the church. Uh, and I, it, it's so important. Your churches become a manifestation of what you put in. If you're not happy with your church, let me just encourage you. Go back and look in the mirror. Now I'm talking about the Word. All right? Let the Word be the mirror. Uh, Because the fact is this, that, you know, if you're pouring in and pouring in and pouring in, after a period of time, and it may not be instantly, you will begin to see the right things being raised up. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean people are going to always handle it the way you want or they're going to always grow to the level as fast as you uh, think they ought to be getting there. But the truth is you ought to begin to be seeing, if you've been doing this for any period of time, you ought to begin to be seeing some signs that are encouraging. All right? Because God still does want to grow His people up. God still wants to mature His people. And what we're facing in America right now is a major, major challenge that is counter from what the Scriptures are teaching. We are seeing an emphasis in so many circles on all of the surface stuff, all of the stuff, the cosmetic stuff. And that stuff, listen, I'm not saying that those things are unimportant, but I want to tell you something Lights and fog and different music styles and all that's not going to change anybody. At the end of the day, they they're going to you know see some fog and you know get some lights and you know I I like laser lights and I like fog and I like all the other stuff. I like but all that style that's cosmetics. You know if we are only focusing on gathering a crowd so that we can entertain them and not see them mature toured and come into a place of encounter with Christ, then we're failing as the church. There's a Disney can entertain them a whole lot better than we can. We've got to get away from the things that we think sometimes are appealing to people. How many of you know this? That that sometimes what God is really after is God, God doesn't mind offending you. Anybody ever been offended by God? You know? Listen, God doesn't mind. You know breaking through some of your thinking so that you could encounter Him. God doesn't mind that. But in our culture, it's all about we don't want to offend anybody. We want to make sure everybody's happy. 
Let me tell you something. We're in the disciple-making business. What is that? We're making disciplined followers of Jesus Christ. We're not in the crowd-gathering business. Now, the crowd-gathering business is always wonderful and always exciting. But you know what Jesus was doing? Jesus, He was running from the crowds. We're running to the crowds. Jesus didn't mind saying hard things. You want to hang out with me? Drink my blood and eat my flesh. That wasn't a popular saying. And it says many of them went away. He was, he was offensive. He was challenging them. He wasn't backing down. And listen, I believe if ever there was a time for the gospel to be preached with power and with authority. Now, I'm not talking about being offensive for offensive sake. You know, we're not just to be offensive people. I, I don't think there's anything particularly spiritually noble about just being offensive for offensive sake. But the truth itself has an edge to it. And we can't back away from it. So Jesus is saying true worshipers first worship in spirit. True worshipers worship in spirit. Now, there are two ditches in the body of Christ. In our churches, we've got to make sure that what we're building, we're building in line with what God desires. And God is clear here. Jesus is clear that true worship is built and what he desires is spirit and truth. Now, if you fall in one of the other ditches, you're going to get into error. You want to get weird? Just get totally in the spirit ditch. You want to get mean? Just get into the word ditch. And don't we have it? We got weird and we got mean. I've been around both of them and I don't want to go to that church. But Jesus said true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. What does he mean? What? Listen, we've got to understand if, if, if this is so important that Jesus identifies it as the hallmark of what true worship looks like, then certainly shouldn't we be doing it? I mean, if we're going to be maturing people and leading people and bringing them into the fullness of what God wants, we ought to make this priority one. Mm -hmm. We'll worship in spirit. We'll worship in truth. I love what Nick was saying because if God led you to do something that was a little different, (laughs) but you know what? You proved that. You proved that you're willing to obey the word of the spirit even if it seems weird. I think God was challenging you He's giving you an opportunity. Will you follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit? As strange and as odd and as insecure as you might feel. Okay, I'm going to obey you, God. I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. Now, I, I will tell you, through the years I have pastored, God has challenged me at time to do some of the craziest, craziest things. I remember Sandy, God... You know, nothing will break open a meeting quite like a good word of knowledge. You know, and I'm not saying that from a carnal perspective. I'm talking about if God gives you a word and you go into a dead church service and then and and nobody's worshiping and nobody's engaging with God and you just pray and you ask God, God, would you give me a word of knowledge? Would you give me something here for these people? And God gives you a word. It's amazing what happens. I remember... Sandy could probably tell this story better than I can. But we were in kind of a dry, dead church service, and she's on the front row praying, Lord, give me a word. Give me a word. And we're talking about worshiping in the Spirit here, all right? Listen, this whole book was written by holy men, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who penned these words. This whole book was really 
drawn out of an encounter, a personal encounter with God. Okay? They heard things and they wrote them down. What they wrote down, what they heard. And so, if we're going to worship in the Spirit, we've got to begin to hear some things from the Spirit. And I remember the word that Sandy heard that morning was eyelids. You remember this? She said, God, I can't give up. Give me more. Eyelids. <laughs> well, yeah, everybody in this room's got them. <laughs> Eyelids. And she's finally, she's wrestled with it and wrestled with it and stood up. And she said, I, this just sounds weird. I know it sounds strange, but God's given me a word. I've only got one word. She only asked for a word. She asked, God, give me a word of knowledge. And God gave her a word of knowledge. He gave her a single word. God has a sense of humor. Eyelids. She said, God, I can't give that word eyelids. I've got to have more. So when she finally stood up, she was, I've prayed. I've asked God to give me more. But nothing is coming. But God gives me this word, and I've got to give it eyelids. As soon as she says it, this man, like on the second row, comes up. And he is just like, I mean, he is bowled over. And... He had just, he had been having a problem with his eyes for a long period of time and had just that week been to the doctor. Is this right? Had just that week been to the doctor and the doctor had said to him, you have dry eyelids and that is your problem. Your eyelids are not producing what they need to lubricate your eyes. That's your problem. And so she gets a word, eyelids. <laughs> right on the, all of a sudden, this guy's telling this story. Everybody in the church is like, wow, this is God. This is God. We prayed for the man, and the man got healed. Amen. Worship in the Spirit. Yeah. That means you're going to hear some things. Yeah. That means, listen, to start with, and I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the prophetic. We have to cultivate that. You don't just step in to worship in the Spirit just because you want to, you have to cultivate it. How do you cultivate it? First of all, you've got to quiet your spirit. Yeah. Quiet your, still your, learn to still your spirit. Do you know you can still your spirit in a crowd? You can still your spirit out in a field by yourself. Sure. But you can, you've got to practice stilling your spirit okay. so that you can listen to God. Listen, if you want to get, get something from it, if you're going to worship in the Spirit, that means you're going to commune with the Holy Spirit. That means you first have got to take care of the flesh side, the emotional side, the, the soul side of your own self. That's right. And you've got to move in to the Spirit. I love what the book of Revelation says about John. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Amen. I think one of the challenges for us in our world that we live in now in American church is that we get really confused about what it means to be in the spirit. It doesn't mean you get into weirdness. It doesn't mean you get into some kind of crazy thing. In the spirit means literally that you can, you're in tune with God. And as you're in tune with God, God will begin to talk to you. You'll begin to Hear the voice of God. And God will begin to give you things to give to people. God will begin to share with you things that you're to share. Or things that you're to obey God in. Jesus identifies this as one of the hallmarks of true worship. He's, he's basically saying, look, if you want to be a true worshiper, if you want to be a follower of me, if you want to really be coming after me, 
then you have, to, you have to be cultivating this so you steal your spirit. The next thing you've got to begin to do is listen. You know, one of the things I, I always try to do, I, I, I ask God to speak to me. God, will you talk to me? Yeah. You know something? I think the, 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 the Lord is love-starved for someone who will dare to listen to Him. So good. Someone who will say, Lord, I really want to hear what you want to say to me. Will you talk to me? Yeah. God's like, yes, I'll talk to you. Yes, I'll commune with you. You remember this was what God did when He created man. He created man to commune with man. It's God's desire to commune with yes. us. In fact, the matter is, God is more willing to commune with us than we are with Him. <laughs> and He says, worship in the Spirit. So you cultivate it. You ask God for it. And as you do, you have to then begin to step out in obedience with it. Now, that doesn't mean that everything God tells you, you go speak. There are a lot of, things, a lot of times God tells me things that I don't say. I mean, you know, God will reveal to you secrets. Yes. Yes. I've said this to you before. You pray in the Spirit. He who prays in the Spirit is speaking mysteries unto God. Yes. Guess what? God is a reciprocal God. You speak mysteries to God, God will start revealing mysteries to you. Yeah. You start praying in the Holy Spirit. You begin to cultivate a listening ear, an awareness of what God wants. God will start talking to you. Yeah. There are literal things you can do practically to cultivate a worshiping in the Spirit. Good. And praying in the Spirit doesn't mean you've got to be out loud praying. You can just pray, you know, quietly to yourself. Yeah. I just, Lord, I just want to you. I want to hear you. I want you to talk to me. Yeah. I want you to speak to me. I want you to show me some things. Yeah. Reveal to me mysteries. God, I'm, I'm speaking to you mysteries. Would you reveal mysteries to me? He, Hebrews says this, the spiritually mature by reason of exercise have trained themselves to discern good from evil. So the result is this, that as I do that, as I cultivate that, as I listen, and then I, I begin to hear God, I take some steps of obedience in line with that. I believe that's you, Lord. <laughs> I believe that's you. I said this a few weeks ago when I was talking about the prophetic when Sandy calls me on the phone, I never ask, who is it? I know who it is. I can, I can tell who it is by the way she breathes before she says anything. <laughs> Why? Because I've spent time with her. Yeah. I've spent time with her. And when you cultivate that, and you, do, you, you practice this. You have yeah. to do... Listen, you'll never get your church to become spiritual worshipers if you're not a spiritual worshiper. Man, I've been into some of the deadest assembly of God churches I've ever been in in my life. And I, you wonder why they're dead? It takes you about two minutes. Watch the pastor. You know. It's real talk. He just stands there like a brick. He's not engaged with God at all. Let's me know real quick. You're not a worshiper. You're not someone who's hungry for God. You're not wanting the presence of God. You're not wanting God to talk to you. You wouldn't know God if he drove through the back door on a freight train. You're dense to the voice of God. And so what, what do you get in the church? People tend not to rise above their leader. So we talked about the law of the lid. There you go. You want to be the lid? Well, if you, go, you, you are a lid, just make sure that lid is so far up that people can have something to rise to. 
for the glory of God. True worshipers worship in the Spirit. And so there's this, this cultivating of it, encouraging it. You know, some of the things we've done oftentimes, even on Wednesday nights, in times we give people an opportunity. You know, we're going to pray and we're going to trust God and we trust God will speak to you. So Lord, start speaking to us. Just speak to us. We spend some time in worship. And then some of you come up here and share some of the things God is talking to you about. And so we then give people an opportunity to respond to it. What do we do? We're training people. Training people how to listen to God. The second thing he, Jesus says is not only will true worshipers worship in the Spirit, but they worship in truth. Truth is not an opportunity for dryness, okay? When you walk in truth and you know the truth, truth is life-giving. So Jesus says true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. If I'm going to walk in the spirit, I've got to have some measurement or I'm going to get into something really crazy or weird at some point. Now, the beauty of the fact that we've got the Word of God, which the Bible makes it clear that thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So I've got a standard by which I can measure the things that I hear. As I'm walking in the Spirit and God begins to speak to me, if I'm walking in the Spirit and God's talking to me and I hear something, I can measure it against something. I can measure it against the Word of God. All right? Uh, you know, I was talking Sunday. Uh, I got a phone call late in the afternoon because of one of our leaders and one of the challenges. Uh, this is just with prayer ministry. And one of the challenges of a person who, he, they, they, they've heard God. I mean, they, they've had some powerful, powerful prophetic words. But at the same time, Sometimes people can, can, you know, God use them once, God use them twice, God use them three times. Now they automatically feel like they're God's mouthpiece to the world. And that, that means that everything they say is the very oracles of God. And then we had a little bit of a problem with that. And so uh, we were having to bring some correction to somebody. And one of the points that I made was this, that look, all of us are called to prophesy. All of us are called to prophesy, but not all of us are prophets. Okay? Agabus was a prophet. That's a governmental role. Philip had four daughters who prophesied. Right. Very different. Prophecy and these words that we often get, and I'm saying this in, in regard to the measurement of the Scripture. He who prophesies speaks unto men for their edification, exhortation, and comfort. Yes. So the automatic measuring stick there is this. Is what I'm getting... Exhorting them, in other words, is it encouraging them? Is it putting something in them that enables them? Exhortation, edification, is it building them up? Is it making them better in God? Is it comforting them? Is it bringing ministering grace to them? That's a measurement. That's a practical measurement. So these guys that feel like, I got a word from God. You're ugly. And God doesn't like you. And you're on your way to hell. That's not God. Okay? That's just their meanness. They're in the, they're in the mean ditch. 
so look, if we're going to build true worshipers, we've got to train them to hear God and then we've got to train them to measure what they hear against the backdrop of so God's good. Word. Yeah. So Truth. Yes. Truth. And we've got to stay there. Stay there. We're building an apostolic and prophetic people on a foundation of God's Word. And in doing so, we, we, we want to see people grow in God and mature in God and become more of what they call, are called to be and destined to be. That means they're going to hear some things. That means sometimes you're going to get some weird things happen. But you can, you've got an opportunity to draw people back to the truth and say, wait a minute, this is the truth. This is where we stand. We want to encourage you to keep hearing. We don't want to shut out hearing. We want to shut out the work of the Spirit. I think that's what the seeker movement has done. Yes. It's in an attempt, and I, 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 I want to emphasize this, in an attempt to become socially accepted, we say, well, we don't want this. And some of this has been a reaction to the weird that's gone on in the name of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I don't think you've got to be weird to move in the Spirit. So some of it is a reaction. But some of it is just, well, I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to mess with anything out of the ordinary. And I, as a leader, am not that way, so I don't want anybody else to be that way. And that happens. Unfortunately, it happens. But let me tell you something. I'll raise this question. Who is really more seeker-sensitive than the Holy Spirit? Every single time I've encouraged leaders, listen, step out of your comfort zone. Start obeying God. Start listening. Start cultivating that. Start attempting to move out in God. That's what you did, Nick. I want to commend you for that. That's what you did. It challenged your intellect. I mean, what was the song again? Praise the Lord together, singing. Everybody. Uh, by the way, the first time I sang it, I actually sang the wrong song. And then I was like, that's not the song. This is the song. So it came with humility. But you know something? I, God didn't ask you to do something that was outlandish and crazy and off the wall and outside the bounds of the Word. He only asked you to do something that was outside the bounds of Nick. And he says, okay, Nick, you say you submit to me as Lord of your life and you want the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sing praise, you, praise, yeah. whatever. The Lord, Lord together. Hallelujah. But you did. And life came. Life came. And I'll tell you what you do. In those times, you open up the hearts of people to hear God and follow God. Listen, God has called us to raise up an army of worshipers. We don't want to be raising up faux worshipers. We don't want to raise up false worshipers. We want to raise up true worshipers. And true worshipers are in the Spirit. They're hearing they're seeing. They're sometimes feeling things. That's sometimes out there into the area of the ethereal. That's sometimes a little, you know, oh, all that. But pressure on you as a leader. Because sometimes, now let me just encourage you as leaders, don't react. Respond. Yes, it's easy sometimes to get caught up in reacting to somebody. And we can shut down what God wants to do. 
But respond. We're, we're dealing with children. We're growing them up in God. That means we're all on a journey together. We're hearing God and we're encouraging them. And yet we're keeping on that road of truth. We're not getting into the ditch. We're staying balanced between the things of the Spirit and the Word of God. Now, I want to really encourage you in that. Because I, I believe this is something that God is saying to us as one churches. Um, we, we want to build churches that way. That are healthy. When people come in, there's a work of the Holy Spirit. I, I can't tell you how many times I hear it. That, Man, I sense the presence of God. I sense the presence of God. God, God spoke to me. Or God, you know, this person had a word for me. Or something. That's the work of the Spirit. We're creating, we're spiritual worshipers. But yet at the same time, I want to be right on with the Word. We're strong about preaching the Word. We're not going to be whacked out by crazy stuff. We're going to live in line with truth. We're going to apply truth. We're going to be doers of the Word of God. That's the kind of people we want to be. Father, I thank you now for the work of your Spirit. Lord, as we seek to follow you, I thank you that we serve a speaking God and that you talk to us and that we have the Holy Spirit within us. Lord, we've been given already a receiver from heaven to hear uh, the voice of the Spirit. You gave us spiritual ears. So, Lord, we want to hear you. We pray, Lord, that we may be so grounded in truth and our life founded on the, 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 the Word of God that, Lord, what we hear, we're able to sound against or measure against your Word. And I pray, Lord, that the result of that would be that we would continue to grow strong believers. We would continue to grow in God. We would continue to move out in God. Lord, may next year we be greater at moving in the Spirit and in truth than we are this year. May we grow in this and become greater and greater true worshipers for your honor and glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.